Good morning. We'd like to welcome you back to our uh, video sermon series uh, about questions Jesus has asked. I believe this is number nine, a uh, series that Tim started, I guess, eight weeks ago. And uh, it's been very exciting. Some of these questions uh, stir a lot of thought. And that's what happened for me as I began to prepare for this one. You see, guys, have you ever wondered what God thinks? Have you ever wondered how he feels about something? Well, that was part of the purpose of Jesus coming to earth. I know there was way more to it than that. But at one point, one of his disciples asked us, show us the Father. And he says, you've seen me. I represent the Father. In fact, he's described later in the, in the Bible as the exact representation of God. While he was here on earth, he said that his words were given to him by the Father. And he said, not only what to say, but how to say it. And so it's very important. These questions aren't just a recording of what Jesus did. Okay, there, are signif there is significance to them. And they give us a clear understanding of what God thinks, how he feels, and what he wants from his followers. Now, this question this week got my attention right away. Okay? And it stirred me to self-examination. And so that's kind of the target we're shooting at today as we look at this question. But let's dig right into it. Uh, our first passage that we're going to be looking at, and where our text is taken from, our question is taken from, is in Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 31. And this is what it says. Now wait, let me before I go farther, a little background. Jesus is kind of on a healing binge, if you will. Okay, He is healing people left and right in this situation. So as it starts off, and it says, as, as Jesus went on from there, Maybe important that you know that he just finished healing, uh, not healing, raising a girl who had died back to life. Okay, so that's what Jesus has done. And this is what goes on. It says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked him, do you believe that I am able to do this? I'm sorry, I got mixed up. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that you tell no one about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. Now, folks, Jesus' question to them was, do you believe I am able to do this? Okay, that question is extremely significant, in my opinion, to anyone who has decided and committed to following Jesus. I believe that because... Guys, faith is at the heart of the matter when it comes to following Jesus. It's not just a matter of, okay, this is right, and so I want to uh, pray Jesus into my heart, I want to be baptized, whatever, and I want to be saved so I can go to heaven. There's much more to it than that. And that all comes under the heading of faith. 
God doesn't want us to just go through the motions. He doesn't want us to just do a few things. He wants us to have real faith. <clears throat> and guys, you need, we need to understand. You can't be a follower of Jesus without faith. Let me go a step further and put it in modern day vernacular. We are not saved unless we have faith. Unless we really believe in something we can't see. In something we can't prove. And that goes very deep within this story. Um, and we'll, we might talk about it a little bit later. But one of the things that I believe modern day followers of Jesus need to really dig on is the fact that he was the Messiah and what that meant. He was the anointed one. You see, these two blind men acknowledge that. Okay, they're not just saying, hey, we believe you can heal you because when they were first calling out to him, what, is he, he's, what are they saying? He's saying, have mercy on us, son of David. And what they're proclaiming is their faith that he is the Messiah, that he is the anointed one, that he is the king that has been sent by God. And he is there to fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament. You see, too many times, I bring this up because there's just too many times we just want God to do something. You know, that might have been an answer. You know, some of us would have said, if we were asked, if we were going to God, asking for a miracle, he says, do you believe I'm able to do this? Well, I want you to. Or how about, well, if you do it, I'll believe. Okay? I'm here to find the belief. I'm sorry, that's just not how God works. God says, you believe, and then I'll act. And so, guys, faith is at the heart of the matter. Now, I'd like to look at another passage of Scripture, and this is a rather long one. In Matthew chapter 9, similar type of situation. Somebody's got a physical problem they want Jesus to take care of. Uh, his disciples are unable to take care of him. And again, Jesus is asking questions. But it's a lot of information. I think you can, you can look at these two passages together and you can see the significance of Jesus' first question here in Mark 9 regarding, do you believe I'm able to do this? And how faith is so significant. And so what's going on is Jesus has been up on a mountain. He's been literally physically transformed. We call it the transfiguration. Big word. <laughs> and uh, he come, he's got Peter, James, and John, three of his favorite disciples with him. He comes back down from the mountain, and this is what happens. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and, and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Here's Jesus' response. He says, You unbelieving generation. 
How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus asked, everything is impossible for the one who believes. Possible, I'm sorry. Thank you. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, this story is also told in, uh, in Matthew chapter 17. Uh, and there's a couple other verses I want to read uh, later down in Mark chapter 9. It says, after Jesus had gone indoors, after this had all happened, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. In Matthew chapter 17, he gives a few more details of the same story. And it says, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. As when you look at these passages all together, I believe it's, it's nearly impossible to miss the fact that Jesus wants us to have faith. And our faith, our belief will determine what he is able to do or what prevents him from doing anything. And you see that his disciples couldn't do what he had done. And he said, first he tells them because of the lack of prayer. I think prayer is pretty significant to your faith. You connecting with God will increase your faith if, when you do it on a regular basis. I don't think he's telling them you should have prayed more over this boy. I think he's telling him your, your faith was not prepared for this situation because of a lack of prayer. And then he goes on in Matthew to go a little bit better or make it a little more clearer. He says, it was your lack of faith. You see, guys, there's people who are around Jesus all the time, literally lived with him, had seen these miracles. But when it came to him, for them to perform a miracle of their own, their, their lack of faith got in the way. And so, guys, um, what happened when, when I was preparing for this is I, I found myself asking myself some more questions. You see, I believe that Jesus is doing here with this question of, do you believe I can do this? He is calling the two blind men to do what we are called to do in second Corinthians 13, which is to examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith. Guys, faith is just that important. And too many times we trust 
in outward things like you know the fact that we're religious, the fact that we go to church, the fact that we don't do bad things, or our list of bad things we don't do. Um, and I believe it's important. Jesus is constantly challenging and calling those around him to make sure that they had real faith. And so, guys, I, I got some questions here. It's a little bit different instead of points. I've got some questions. Most of these I asked myself. Some of them I didn't. And I'm, I'm asking you, instead of just accepting what I'm saying, I'm asking you to examine yourself and to examine your faith the way Jesus called these two blind men to examine their faith. And the first question is, am I committed to living by faith? Okay, I think that is a huge commit, huge question. Guys, I, I can honestly say that I've lived the majority of my adult life more as a, as a religious person trying to follow rules as opposed to having real faith. And so I guess, guys, I just believe it's a fair question. And uh, I got a passage here I want to read. Uh, it's in Second Corinthians, not Second Corinthians. It's in Hebrews, chapter ten, verses thirty-six through thirty-nine. And this is what it says: You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Anybody that claims to follow Jesus, that's what you're after. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not be delayed. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. See, guys, it's not a matter of accepting Jesus once and all's good. That's what he's saying here. We have to continue to live by faith. That verse that he quoted in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews quoted from Habakkuk chapter 2. It's also quoted in Romans chapter 1. And it's a real simple passage. It says, the righteous will live by faith. And I think it's important to understand that Jesus wants and expects his followers to live by faith. So when you read these stories in the Bible of great men and women of faith, those are pictures of how Jesus wants us to live. Those are examples of, of, of the things he wants us to do. He wants us to, because of our faith, to live differently than the world. And he wants some things done in our lives that cannot be explained than other by his power. And guys, that's what it's after. So I asked that question right up front, for is it just a faith check? Okay, am I committed to living by faith? I was planning on talking about this later, but I'll talk about it now and it's, it's pretty clear. Uh, my wife has put herself and me on a new healthy eating plan. Okay, it's not a diet, all right? Don't use that word, it's a bad word. I am thanking her every day for it. We just started this week. And I'm thanking her for taking the initiative and getting us going on it. Uh, and I have to say, I have always wanted to eat healthy. I try to eat healthy. But the truth of the matter is, I want to do it while it's easy. Okay? 
And it's taken her to get in my life and to say, will you do this with me before I did it? And guys, I, I say that because sometimes when it comes to faith, that's what it is. You see, I want to eat healthy. I haven't been committed to eating healthy. And so that's the question. First question is, I believe we need to be asking ourselves, am I committed to living by faith? Second thing, what has Jesus done according to my faith? Guys, I believe believers in Jesus ought to be able to point and say, man, he's, he, they have a list, should have a list of things that Jesus has done because of our belief in him. You know, it could be he saved my marriage. He put my family back together. Okay. He took care of me when I didn't have the funds to feed my family. And, and here's how he did it. And that list should just go on and on and on. And so I ask you, that's, that's a question that we need to look at. What do we, because that's what Jesus said to the two blind men, according to your faith. It has been done. And, you know, just kind of a, a further question of that is what is being done according to my faith right now? Okay, because that the passage we looked at is the righteous should live by faith. That means he should be acting on our behalf on a near daily basis. And our actions should be changed. Guys, when you look at that story about the two blind men, Obviously, it's fair that Jesus asked the question because he was Jesus. But when I look at what they were doing, okay, number one, they, they had heard about Jesus, I'm assuming, number one. Number two, they had sought Jesus out. I want to say they, they saw some of his other miracles, but they were blind, so I guess they just heard about him. <laughs> um, and they chose to put their faith in Jesus. They recognized him as the son of David as the Messiah. And not only that, they, I can only imagine that they had to be a little annoying to the people around them. I mean, very persistent in their wanting and asking Jesus to do this. You know, it says they followed Jesus calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. I know the, the I, I, it has to be assumed from the passage and from the context. I don't think they said that once. I think they were, were, were repeating it while following Jesus. And I'm just guessing that there might have been somebody around saying, would you knock it off? You know, it's kind of like my, uh, my mother's in a nursing home and one time she was across the hall from, uh, uh, from you all know this if you've been to a nursing home, there was a lady across the hall who just lays there in bed and yells, help me! It's very sad, okay? Um, but while we were sitting there, my mom was trying to yell back across, nobody's coming, knock it off. And before long, we heard a guy out in, the, out in the hallway from another room, and he's telling her, you know nobody's coming. And you, you, I, I know I'm speculating here, but you gotta imagine, these guys were asking Jesus to heal their blindness, and, and I'm assuming repeating it, and there was probably people going, hey, he heard you. Give it up. But they didn't give up. They persisted. And not only did that persist in yelling out, it says after Jesus went indoors, it said they came and found him. How do two blind guys 
find Jesus in a crowded house. Either they had help or again, they were incredibly annoying to those around them. But guys, what you see is you see faith in action. You see two men who believed what Jesus could do and were willing to take action upon it. See, guys, what is being done according to my faith right now is going to be determined by what kind of action I'm taking on my beliefs. Okay, third question. Am I a part of this unbelieving generation? I throw that in there uh, just because that's what Jesus said in, in the other passage um, when his disciples couldn't heal uh, the boy tormented by the evil spirit. He goes, all oh, this unbelieving generation. He was recognizing, how can you folks not have faith? Guys, I just want to be honest. When you look at society today that we live in in America, I don't see a lot of real faith. Even among the Christian community, I see more religious activity than I do real faith. And I believe that is the challenge for each one of us. Do I want to be a part of it? What do I want to look like? This unbelieving generation? Or do I want to look like these two blind men who are full of faith and were seeking after Jesus? Fourth question. What am I not asking Jesus to do? I ask that question because, because that's what, what question I ask myself. Okay, I consider myself a man of faith. I can tell you what Jesus has done according to my faith. I can tell you what he is doing according to my faith now. But the reality is, I'm not asking him for everything. My faith is challenged here. What problem, what difficulty am I asking him to be involved in? Am I trying to solve on my own? Even when it comes to, to reaching out to a non-believer or to reaching out to someone from the kingdom of God who has left the kingdom of God. My tendency is to try to do it all on my own. And my request is, God, help me. And there's some situations where I've said, I have to admit to God, I've stopped asking. And so guys, I ask that question, what are you not asking God to do? And then the follow-up is, and I think this gets back to re-examination, is why not? Is it because I really don't believe he can do it? Or I really don't believe he will do it? You see, I love what the father had to say who brought his son to Jesus' disciples. And Jesus asked him, if I can? And he goes, oh, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. See, guys, that's the challenge. He recognized, I, I believe in you. I believe you can do this. But I have my doubts. And I want those doubts to become faith. Another reason... Uh, I'm sorry, let me back and stay on that one for just a minute. I referenced in the notes, James chapter one, verses six through eight. And what that says in there, he's talking about anybody who lacks wisdom should ask God who gives generously. But when you ask, don't doubt. Because anybody who doubts is like a, is, an un, is unstable in all he does. 
So guys, I, again, back to, do I really believe he can do it or do I just want him to do it? Yeah, I want Jesus to heal me. Yeah, I want Jesus to make things better. Do I believe he will? Do I believe it enough to ask him? Second thing, and I probably worded this wrong in the notes, is my request selfish? Is what I want Jesus to do for me? Or is it an opportunity to show his glory? You see, also in James chapter 4, it tells us that we don't have because we don't ask. And when we do ask, we don't receive because we only ask so we can spend it on our own selfish desires. Great question, guys, as you examine your faith. Number five is do I want God's will to be done in my life? Guys, this is huge. Jesus repeatedly talks about uh, he will do whatever we ask in his name. John 15, 16, and 17. Um, specifically, John chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. But I encourage you to read all three chapters because he repeats himself on this, where he says, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. I believe it's in Matthew 18. He also says, where two of you agree on anything in my name, I'll ask. And that means according to his will. Okay? And... I believe it's significant that we don't just want our requests to be according to his will so we'll get them answered. We need to be followers of Jesus, servants who are wanting his will done in our lives first and in, on this earth second. And so guys, it's, it's a challenging thing to say you do do that. When the, when the, I believe when the blind men were calling out son of David, they were acknowledging that. You are my king. You are the chosen one, the anointed one sent to us. And we want your will to be done. The blind men weren't simply approaching Jesus as a healer. They were approaching him as a king. Sixth thing, number six. How persistent Am I in my asking? Okay. In Luke chapter 18, there's a story that Jesus told about a widow who um, was persistent in asking and pestering a judge to bring, give her justice. And Jesus said, if this woman can do this, why? Sh how much are this judge can, can give justice because of the widow's persistence? How much more? Will God give persistence? And he said he told this story so that we would know to always pray and never give up. It's like, how persistent are you in your prayers? I am personally challenged, as I've already mentioned. That's one of the things that, that just kind of got my attention. Well, I prayed. I prayed several times. Uh, I encourage you to go back. I don't remember the name of the movie. Uh, it came out a few years ago. It was about the boy over, teenage boy over in the Wentzville area that fell through the ice. And his mother prayed over him after the doctors had declared him dead. And he, he, he had a heartbeat when he was still in a coma. And then they got to the point where they needed to withdraw all the medications and see what happens. And there was no reason for him to come back to life. And he did. And the doctor in the movie says, I call it and say that there's no medical reason for him to be alive. I can only call this a miracle. 
And what the movie very clearly portrays is uh, the persistence of this mother, not only in, in begging God for her son's life, but in enlisting others to pray with her. I always question the accuracy of any movie that says it's based on actual events. So I got to go back and research it. I did it on this movie, but I don't remember if this is accurate or not. But the movie showed hordes of people outside the hospital, all praying. Guys, miracles happen when we believe. And persistence is part of our belief. And the last question, I really don't have anything to say about it. It's, a, it's, it's an extremely personal question for you to answer. And that is, how would Jesus describe your faith? Would he describe it as part of the unbelieving generation? Or would he say to you, according to your faith, it will be done. Let's pray. Father, I, I am so excited as my understanding of you grows. As you make yourself clearer, Father, as you, you move past the traditions that I've held on to so that I can see you more clearly and more accurately. Father, I, I know without a doubt that you want us to have real faith. You want us to have faith in you, not faith in a church, not faith in a denomination, not faith in a structure. You want us to have faith in you. And Father, you want us to all individually have a faith that steps out. We don't wait for our church or a friend or a leader to initiate. Father, you're looking for faith in our individual lives and our individual hearts. Father, I know that there are times when we need encouragement along the way. I believe these two blind men drew encouragement for each other. Individually, they may not have went to you alone and, and asked to be healed. But Father, together, their individual decisions became stronger and more committed and more persistent. And their faith grew. Father, I pray you open our eyes to see the significance of faith. Father, open our eyes to see what real faith looks like in each individual life. And Father, we decide that we want to be men and women of faith. And it's in the King's name that we ask all these things.